It didn't take long before intense persecution arose in the early church, starting with the execution of Stephen, the first martyr. Then Saul, the terrorist from Tarsus, began ravaging the church. Philip preached the gospel in Samaria, and unclean spirits cried out. Later, Simon the magician tried to buy his way into favor with God and the apostles. All of it was evidence that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Do you see what's happening in the heavenly realms? The powers of darkness are as real as all that the naked eye sees. I'm Ron Jones, and this is something good. Before he was a teacher, he was a terrorist. Hello, welcome to this Friday edition of Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. I'm Brian Davis, thanks for stopping by. We know him now as the Apostle Paul, but before he was a missionary, he was a murderer, a hitman for the Sanhedrin who took the lives of Christians and did so in the name of God. Today, Ron takes us to Acts chapter 8 to show us how the unseen forces of evil began to gather against the early church and how God used that persecution to expand his gospel beyond Jerusalem. Stay with us here or stop by our new digital streaming platform at somethinggoodradio.org to listen to the broadcast on your schedule. That's somethinggoodradio.org. You can also subscribe to the podcast at Spotify or wherever you get yours. And now from his teaching series, A.D. Acts of the Apostles. Here's Ron with his Something Good Radio message, Overcoming the Powers of Darkness. Well, when we travel to Israel, one of the places that we go is in the northern part of the country, in the northern Galilee region. It's called Caesarea Philippi. We go there for a number of reasons, but primarily because um, that's the place in Mark chapter 16 that Jesus took His disciples to and made the first mention of this thing called the church. The first time the church is ever mentioned in the Bible is in Matthew chapter 16. And Jesus and His disciples were there in Caesarea Philippi. Now, Caesarea Philippi was known as a, uh, as a pagan worship site. And the place where we go, the rock formations there, we walk around and, and we just imagine the, the darkness of the place, spiritually speaking. Pagan worship back then often devolved into gross immorality and even child sacrifice. It's a very spiritually dark place. And it makes you kind of wonder, why, why did Jesus take His disciples there to introduce to them the ecclesia, the called out ones, or the church? It was there that Jesus asked His disciples, who do men say that I am? And they said, well, some people think you're Elijah the prophet or Jeremiah or, you know, just, just a good guy and a great prophet. And then he turned the question on them and he says, well, who do you say that I am? And this is where Peter gets an A+. Plus. Uh, he, 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 he said the right thing that day. Mr. Open Mouth and Insert Foot, you know, Peter, he, he had the right answer. He says, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. 
And Jesus affirms Peter, and he says, Peter, you're exactly right. And upon this rock, the rock of your confession, he says, I will build my church, my ecclesia. First time they had ever heard that word. I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Many people believed that Caesarea Philippi and this pagan worship site and the, the gross immorality and the child sacrifice and all that went on there, they thought they were standing before the gates of hell itself. And I believe Jesus brought the disciples there to cast the vision for this thing called the church that began in Acts chapter 2 to remind them uh, that you're going against the, 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 the powers of darkness that the church would be a shining light in the midst of a spiritually dark world where the powers of darkness will come against you. Later in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul in, Acts, or in uh, rather Ephesians chapter 6 says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world. And it's the fifth or sixth time in the book of Ephesians that he mentions the heavenly realms, that invisible world, invisible to the naked eye, but is as real as the person sitting next to you. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against uh, the powers of darkness in the heavenly realms. And Jesus takes them to this place that was known for being a spiritually dark place, I, I believe, to remind them that when this thing called the church happens and when you guys lead this thing called the church, just remember, this isn't a uh, carnival cruise ship you're on. It's a battleship. You're on the front lines of spiritual warfare as the powers of darkness come against us. Well, that's the backdrop in my mind as we come to Acts chapter 8 where the powers of darkness raise up against the church. You may remember last time we were in Acts chapter 6 and 7. And uh, that's the story of Stephen, the first martyr, all right, the first uh, sign of persecution that comes to the early church, the first drop of blood that falls aside from the blood that shed uh, from Calvary and from the Lord Jesus Christ. The first drop of a martyr's blood was from a guy named Stephen. And we're inspired by the stand that Stephen took in Acts chapter 7 as he, as he uh, made his defense and uh, took those leaders on a journey through uh, the sins of the nation, and um, they picked up their stones and, and, and executed him. And Acts chapter 8, uh, the gospel begins spreading beyond Jerusalem, and the powers of darkness emerge there. In Acts chapter 8, the persecution intensifies. And we said last time that you know, this was part of God's plan altogether. Uh, in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, he says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts. But up until this time, they just were kind of hanging out comfortably in Jerusalem, and things were going great, and the church was exploding in growth. And who wouldn't want to just hang out in Jerusalem, the holy city of Jerusalem, that beautiful city? But uh, they, they had grown comfortable. And the execution of, of Stephen turned up the heat such that everybody scattered, all except the apostles, everybody scattered in fear, and they went out into the, the regions of Judea and Samaria and even into the uttermost parts of the earth. So a shift takes place in Acts chapter 8, and, and the mission expands to 
the next concentric circles that Jesus gave to His disciples in Acts 1 and verse 8. And I say the gospel spreads beyond Jerusalem as the powers of darkness emerge in three ways. Number one, a guy named Saul ravages the church. Let's pick it up in chapter 8 and verse 1. And Saul approved of his execution. Whose execution? Well, Stephen. There was a guy named Saul. I call him Saul the terrorist because that's exactly what he was in the first century, a first century terrorist who, who invoked terror and brought terror to the hearts of Christians, pulling them out of their homes and taking them off to prison. Saul was the one who um, heartily approved of Stephen's execution and stood there on the side and said, hey, I'll hold your coats over here while you take off your cloak so you can get a you know, better throw of the stone towards Stephen. That, that was Saul, a Pharisee of Pharisees, uh, educated at the feet of Gamaliel. He was well on his way to becoming one of the great Pharisaical leaders in Judaism. He goes on to say, and there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him, but Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Can you imagine? Saul was ravaging the church. The word ravaging there in the original language pictures a wild beast tearing apart his prey. This was the apostle, the, the, later the apostle Paul. But before he became the great apostle Paul, he was Saul the terrorist, heck bent on destroying the church of Jesus Christ. And I'm getting ahead in the story here, but in Acts chapter 9, this, this Saul, while he's on his way to Damascus, meets the risen Christ. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he is gloriously transformed, and we know him as the Apostle Paul, the Apostle of Grace, we call him. Turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verses 12 to 13, and um, th this little confession by Paul or testimony by Paul the apostle now reminds me that he never forgot the man that he once was, this violent uh, terrorist. He says to Timothy, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has strengthened me because He considered me faithful, putting me into service, even though I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and a violent aggressor, yet I was shown mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief." You know, we know Paul, the apostle, as the apostle of grace, I think in part because sometimes our appreciation of the grace of God is in direct proportion to what we know to be true about ourselves before we met Christ. And, and Saul, the terrorist, was a dark, dark figure. So much so that a lot of people in the early church just didn't buy into the fact that, you know, this Saul, I mean, he had come to Christ. Imagine if I said, hey, next week, uh, Osama bin Laden will be here as our guest speaker. He, he became a Christian last month. You go, I ain't coming there. There's no way we're going to take that kind of risk. And that's the way they responded. It took years for some of them to accept that, that, that Saul, the terrorist, had really been transformed by Jesus Christ. And Saul never forgot who he was. Oh, he, he, he rested in the grace of God and in the mercy of God, but he says, I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and a violent aggressor. 
How would you fill in the blanks there? How has God gloriously transformed you by His grace? What would you say I formerly was? Have you seen the darkness in your own heart? I don't believe you can ever really truly be born again until and receive the good news of Jesus Christ until you receive the bad news about yourself, that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, that the human heart is uh, uh, sick and, and desperately wicked, the Bible says. Who can understand that? Saul lived with that every day. It was so stark, the contrast between the light of Jesus Christ and the gospel that came into his heart and and the dark, dark person he was before. But it's true of all of us, Uh, the stain of sin and the darkness of sin on the human heart. Don't go away. We'll be right back with more of Dr. Ron Jones' message, Overcoming the Powers of Darkness. If you're new to the program, we'd like you to know that all of Ron's messages are archived at our website, somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. When you stop by, use the Partner tab at the top of the homepage to check out the 828 Club, a special group of people who partner with Ron so that he can keep sharing the truth of God's Word the whole year through. Join the 828 Club from our website, or feel free to give us a call at 757-276-1099. Again, that number is 757-276-1099. God often uses adversity to increase our faith and to spread His gospel to places and people who have not yet experienced it. That's what he did through Philip, a deacon in the first Christian church who fled to Samaria during the persecution in Jerusalem. Here's Ron with the rest of today's Something Good radio message, overcoming the powers of darkness. So darkness emerged in that way with with Saul. Darkness emerged in a second way as a guy named Philip travels to Samaria. Now, you remember Philip? Philip was one of the seven deacons in Acts chapter 6. We we call them the first deacons that are um, nominated and put into service there. And uh, Stephen was one of them. Philip is one of them. By the way, I I literally laughed out loud when I was reading some of this um, at home. My wife was sitting there, and it just tickled me that here we are. Acts chapter 6, we have seven deacons. By, By Acts chapter 8, two of them are gone, and one of them is dead. Oh, my goodness, right? It just just happens that quickly. Philip is gone. Philip is scattered now. He's left Jerusalem. And he's ended up in a place called Samaria. And now he's preaching the gospel. I give Philip credit. He didn't go into hiding. He didn't go into self-preservation mode. Oh, I'm scared. I got to be silent over here. He goes into hiding. No, he just goes to Samaria of all places. We'll talk about that in a moment. But he's still preaching the Word of God. And as he preaches the Word of God, the, the darkness of hell just, just cries out. Uh, let's read on beginning in verse 4. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the Word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip. When they heard him and saw the signs that he did, for unclean spirits... In other words, the demonic forces of darkness, crying out with a loud voice, came out of many who had them, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. The demonic forces did not like what 
Philip was doing. They never do. When you're faithful to the preaching and the teaching of God's Word, it stirs up the powers of darkness in a way that just, just get ready. It's going to come against you. And, and it did to Philip. It's interesting that um, Philip went to Samaria. Why, why is that so significant? Well, first of all, Jesus said, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and then Judea, then Samaria, and then the uttermost parts of the earth. Uh, you may have heard at some time in your experience in the church that uh, the Jews didn't like the Samaritans. That's uh, kind of an understatement. They hated them. They despised them because Samaritans were kind of a mixture of ethnicities, half Jews and half Gentiles. And it goes way back in, in Jewish history, uh, back to the time of just after the, the reign of Solomon. And it was around that time that the um, kingdom of Israel split into two kingdoms, a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. The northern kingdom was made up of ten of the twelve tribes, and the southern kingdom was made up of two of the twelve tribes, Judah and Benjamin. And the northern kingdom uh, assumed the name Israel, and the southern kingdom took on the name Judah. And they, they existed as a divided nation for about 200 years. And in time, the northern kingdom, uh, oppressed by the Assyrians and kind of beat up by the Assyrians and others, began to intermarry with the Gentiles. And they formed this group known as the Samaritans. The Jews called them half-breeds half-Jews, half-Gentiles. And the racial tension and the racial animosity was enormous. And it was building up for more than two centuries. On top of that, uh, Solomon built the temple. Uh, it was destroyed in 586 B.C. when the Babylonians came in. After the 70 years of Babylonian rule, Zerubbabel comes in and he rebuilds the walls and, and the temple, and a second temple is built. But the Samaritans never accepted the second temple or the first temple that was built in Jerusalem. And they built their own temple in a place called Mount Gerizim, all right? And there was this racial tension and this tension over who had the real worship site. Was it the temple in Jerusalem? No, 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 said the northern kingdom. We have our temple on Mount Gerizim. And this had been going on for years, such that at the time of Jesus, the racial tension and the racial divide uh, was so stark that if a Jew wanted to go from here to here, they could go, you know, straight on through Samaria, but they wouldn't do that. They would travel way, way around the nation, go way out of their way not to set foot in Samaria. So you can imagine when Jesus said to His disciples, you will be My witnesses with the gospel in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria? Are you kidding me? You, you, you want us to take this to the Samaritans? They called the Samaritans dogs. The racial tension was that big. Persecution comes to the church, the comfortable church, in Acts chapter 8, and everything changes. And Philip, one of the deacons, goes to Samaria. Three cheers for Philip. And he preaches the gospel there. And all the powers of darkness, the unclean spirits and the demonic forces wail and moan and cry out against, and people are freed from the, the bondage of demonism and all of that. And um, 
and good things are happening. By the way, I wrote this down this week. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the antidote to racism. It was back then, and it still is today, friends. And in every generation, racism rears its ugly head. Just remember, it's the gospel of Jesus Christ that is the antidote to that. It's the answer to it. And we'll never be free of that, that darkness in the human heart that compares and contrasts on the basis of ethnicity or skin color or something like that until the light of Jesus Christ chases that darkness away. So Philip, you know, preaches in Samaria and the demonic forces come out crying. Here, here's a third way that darkness emerged, and we pick this up in verse 9. Simon the magician comes on the scene. This is a great story. It's just the quirkiest story in the world, but a fun one to get after here. Uh, let's pick it up beginning in verse 9. But there was a man named Simon, this is in Samaria, who had previously practiced magic in the city and amazed the people of Samaria, saying that he himself was somebody great. And they all paid attention to him from the least to the greatest, saying, this man is the power of God that is called great. And they paid attention to him because for a long time he had amazed them with his magic. But when they believed Philip as he preached good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Even Simon himself believed. And after being baptized, he continued with Philip. And seeing signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. So Philip shows up in Samaria, and there's a guy there named Simon the Magician. And Simon the Magician was more than David Copperfield, who had some, you know, tricks in his pocket and some illusions. And Simon the Magician had developed this following, almost this ministry in Samaria, where everybody called him Simon the Great. You're listening to Something Good Radio with Dr. Ron Jones. Today's message, Overcoming the Powers of Darkness, along with all of Ron's messages, can be heard on demand at somethinggoodradio.org. Just use the radio tab at the top of the homepage. That's somethinggoodradio.org. While you're there, be sure to check out Dr. Ron Jones' free discipleship coaching experience, Starting Point, A Disciple's First Steps. In Starting Point, Ron takes you back to the fundamentals of the Christian faith and helps equip you to fulfill the Great Commission by making disciples of others. To find Starting Point at Disciples First Steps, look for Something Good Courses when you visit somethinggoodradio.org. Have you ever wanted to visit the land of the Bible and walk in the footsteps of Jesus? Join Dr. Ron and Catherine Jones and the Something Good Radio team for a thrilling Israel tour happening in January 2022. Experience a boat ride on the Sea of Galilee. Walk down the Via Dolorosa. Visit Gethsemane where Jesus prayed and Calvary where he shed his blood for you. Step inside the empty tomb and see for yourself that your Savior is risen indeed. Is the Holy Land on your bucket list? Experience Israel 2022. Register at somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. To make a reservation or to get more information on our trip to the Holy Land, look for Something Good Travel when you visit somethinggoodradio.org. Something Good exists only through the prayer and financial support of listeners just like you. For your gift today to Something Good Radio, we'd like to offer you the complete audio download of this series that you're hearing now. 
AD Acts of the Apostles. That's all 19 messages in Ron's teaching series, AD Acts of the Apostles. This content is available for a limited time to our monthly partners or for anyone who sends a gift today. Give online at somethinggoodradio.org. Mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia, 23456, or you can call our offices at 757-276-1099. We don't want to become a stumbling block to other people and the way we deliver the truth, but, but we speak the truth. And we're not afraid to speak the truth to power, right? We learn that from, from the apostles in so many ways in the book of Acts. Uh, Again, I applaud Philip and others who, out of fear, yes, were scattered from Jerusalem by the persecution, but they didn't go into hiding. Uh, They didn't go into self-preservation mode. They kept preaching the Word of God, and and the, the powers of darkness can't stand against that. Well, that's next time when Ron shares part two of his message, Overcoming the Powers of Darkness. Join us then for Something Good. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis saying God bless and thanks for listening.